Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Oh, have mercy is right. As my guest today knows more about me than we need to let on, and it ain't going to happen, well, I hope. He in the world of radio is legendary, a former multiple big market program director in the era when a guy in that position could actually use his gut feeling, go figure, to decide if a song had hit written all over it and play it for his listeners. And thus they decide. A man with a voice as a morning jock that was and still is his own, as you're about to hear. And the big dog, or mule as we both say, when it comes to all things radio promotion for our label at Ride Records. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute, Mississippi native, Harry Bud Nelson. Hey, hey, Bud. Hey, hey, Bud. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I won't tell too many stories on you, (laughs) but I'll have to tell a couple just so you're... Your legend will grow down there in, <laughs> yeah. in the Delta. <laughs> I'm scared to death. You know, you know, you know. I've done this show since January, and the reason you hadn't been on is because of that very reason. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, that you know you're going to keep it to a minimal. Just FYI, okay? <laughs> yep, I, I, I got you. I've got, I'll, I'll I'll keep it to a minimal, but they're going to have a little juice to them. So. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Hey, Bud. Let's. T- I want to talk about growing up. I love your story, and I also want to talk about how you and I met, and and the most uncomfortable, one of the most uncomfortable uh, performances I've ever gave, which was totally, I was totally off base. But I'm going to explain that later. But take me back. You grew up in Mississippi. You, you tell me where you were born, where you were raised, uh, and let's let's just start there. Well, I was born in Hattiesburg at the old infirmary down there, and. You know, some of the, I won't say older, but upper demo listeners might remember the old infirmary in Hattiesburg that sort of preceded, uh, you know, the, the hospital system down there. But I actually grew up in Collins on uh, a couple of little farms outside Collins, about a, oh, a mile or two outside of town. Uh, my mother, who was a single mother at the time, unusual for uh, the 1950s, uh, you know, the first few years of my life, uh, we lived, we lived in a big house, you know, it was like the Walsons. Uh, I had an uncle and a couple of aunts in the house. Uh, we lived there. And, uh, I think when I was, I think about four or five years old, we moved to my great, great grandfather's farm. The old house was still there and my mother and I, uh, lived there. 
until I was 10 or 12, and then we moved into town and the Collins. But the most the most wonderful and most pleasurable part of my life, and I still think about uh, the time that I lived there on my great-grandfather's old farm in this old house with a tin roof. I can still... Uh, I think of it at night sometimes when I go to sleep. I can still hear the rain on that old tin roof in Mississippi, and it just lulls me right to sleep. Wow. Well, now, now you're in Portland, Maine now. That's where you preside, which is a little odd, just FYI, that you'd end up Mississippi to Maine. But we're going to take people on the journey of how you got there, and it'll make a lot of sense. We're talking to Harry Bud Nelson, and people in radio in the world of records, uh, promotion, radio, uh, what do you call it, record companies, you name it, they know him as Bud, H. Bud Nelson. And uh, Harry, so did you have goats on the farm? I need to know because that's an inside joke for all of uh, you guys. Uh, I mean, well, we well, I, I, I have goats now, but we didn't have them on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so people, this is where the airwaves, they're going to just roll, they're going to just bottom out. This is when Super Talk calls and goes, okay, you, we've had enough. <laughs> We, we had an old cow named Victory, and she, I remember, you know, this was, you know, the early 1950s, and she was named after, I think, VJ Day, Victory over Japan, and they named her, and man, that cow gave the best milk. I would look forward to sitting down at night, and my aunt would put a big glass of that milk in front of me, and a big uh, piece of cornbread. I was in heaven. We're talking to H. Bud Nelson, legendary radio personality. Harry, growing up, when did the radio bug bite you? How did you know? Did anybody ever say, hey, you've got this great voice? Um, you know, tell me about, you know, where did the passion start, and when did you know that it's what you wanted to do? Well, if anything, they said I had a terrible voice. But, you know, I actually trained myself. We moved from Collins, Mississippi, to Hattiesburg when I was 12 years old and was starting the sixth grade down there at Walthall Elementary School. We lived right across the street from it. And uh, there was a little radio station about three or four blocks away um, that, you know, when I would walk to downtown Hattiesburg or whatever, I'd go by the station. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to go in there one day and uh, they had this little outer studio where you could sit and watch the disc jockeys inside through the window. And uh, I dropped in there one day, and and, and then the first time I did it, I went, man, this is what I want to do. I was there the next day and the next day and the next day, and then the weekends. I mean, I'm sure they wanted to call the police at some point because I was a stalker. I mean, I was there in that little studio all the time. All on week, I look forward to the weekends because I was there all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And I'd go get the disc jockeys, you know, go to a little uh, convenience store, get them whatever they wanted, cigarettes, food, just so they'd let me watch them do what they did. Wow. And, uh, and uh, I stalked them for about, oh, three or four years until one day they invited me inside the studio. And then it was even more like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this now. Uh, they finally put me on the air there when I was, when I was 16 years old. Um, actually, I take that back. Uh, that was when I got a job there. The first guy who gave me an opportunity to be on the air was Jimmy Swan. Jimmy Swan was uh, a part owner of the radio station. And Bud, I don't know whether you know him or not, but he was a country music artist from South Mississippi, 
you know, old-timey Hank Williams kind of stuff. He even had a couple of records out back in those days. And, you know, he was he was a big, popular, uh, you know, artist in South Mississippi and disc jockey. And I was, I was in the outer studio one Saturday afternoon, and uh, he just happened to be working a rare Saturday afternoon. And uh, he, he said, he came out and he said, son, would you like to read the news? <laughs> and, 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 and it was a big, big yes with a combination of extreme fright went through my entire body at that time. So, but I did it and somehow I got through it. I mean, if you had a tape of it, it must have been absolutely horrible. That was my first time on the air. I think I was about 14. And then by 16, they hired me to do weekends, doing Saturday mornings, uh, talking in between all the gospel uh, uh, programs. These people would come in, uh, you know, and play music and play gospel music. And they'd sell the time to them in half-hour segments. They would give me the money, and I'd put the money in a cigar box and give it to the general manager on Sunday morning. So that's how the big career started. Later on, they made me full-time. I worked there for at the country station for about two or three years, and then the top 40 station hired me, WXXX in Hattiesburg, which is no longer there. There, they hired me, and that was it. That's where the top 40 career started. Wow. And I went on to Pensacola, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Denver, back to Jackson, uh, to Boston, San Francisco, New York, and, you know, it was just an absolutely fabulous, fabulous career. I mean, I lived my dream. There's, uh, I can actually say that, that in my life I have done exactly what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. I've lived my dream, and I will forever be grateful for that. But we're going to talk about all these journeys, and we're probably going to take 62 shows up, which is fine because you deserve it. But we're talking to H. Bud Nelson uh, in Maine right now. This passion, it just struck you. I mean, it was meant to be. Um, did you see DJ's? Uh, larger than life, sort of the morning guys back then, were they like these huge personalities? Absolutely. And I mean, uh, you know, when I lived in Hattiesburg, uh, we could get New Orleans radio there. We could get WNOE and WTIX. And, and, a, and you know, I mean, certainly in the beginning, I saw uh, the, the guys in my hometown as being larger than life. And it was amazing to me that they could do that. You know, they could do that art form, form on the radio. And then when I started listening to New Orleans radio, it became even bigger. And that was the point where I said, you know, one day I want to work in a big city. I want to get good enough where I can get hired and work in the big city. Because those guys really seem like real celebrities to me. Right. And, and fortunately, through the years, I've gotten to know, uh, you know, they, they, they're still, those guys seem like celebrities, but I'm fortunate now to, you know, call a lot of them friends and have worked along uh, uh, side them and, uh, you know, remain friends with a lot of them to this day. You know, guys that I worked with 40 years ago, wow. we still talk on the phone uh, quite frequently. We're talking to Harry Bud Nelson, legendary radio figure, morning jock, program director, all things ride records with me for many years. You are in a Mississippi minute. We're going to be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
I'm Steve Azar. We were with the great, the fabulous, like a brother to me, Harry Bud Nelson. Bigger than life figures. For so many people, you you became that uh, to others. So uh, the gift that keeps on giving. I want you to tell the story about you being in Jackson. Um about you know and all of a sudden somebody's driving what was a funeral whatever and how you got your break because this i love this story uh when you were in jackson mississippi some guy's driving through town he hears you on the radio and the rest is history well at the time i was working for the big 13 a lot of people might remember wrbc in jackson mississippi uh i was the program director and i was doing afternoons there and uh, the program director of WRKO in Boston at that time, a guy named Jerry Cagle, who remains my mentor and one of my best friends today, he was the program director of RKO, and he was from Columbia, Mississippi. And he, I guess he either flew into Jackson or was driving through Jackson to visit his parents down in Columbia, and he heard me on the radio. And he got back to Boston. And he called, and he said, hey, I, I heard you. I thought you sounded pretty good. Would you uh, send me a tape up here? Because we're going to be hiring some new disc jockeys. And I'm thinking, this guy's got to be kidding. I mean, my heart's pounding at the possibility of getting hired. You know, like, if I go up there, what am I going to do? Uh, but, I, but I sent the tape, and I'm thinking, ah, they'll listen to it. And they'll use it for a production tape. Production tape means using it to re-record commercials and stuff on uh, but I, but I sent the tape and I think it was about a week or 10 days later, uh, I got the call and he said, uh, he opened up the phone call by saying, yeah, I listened to the tape. You got a lot of work to do, but I'm still going to hire you. <laughs> and I said, would you mind repeating that please? <laughs> and he said, yep, I'm going to hire you. You're going to make $23,000 a year. So that's all that's all I can pay you. And I went, that's all you can pay me. That's like four times what I'm making now. <laughs> so uh yes, I got the job. And it was in Boston, and, right? And in Boston at WRKO and, and went up there. I remember at that time in in in, in, in radio markets or in cities, particularly in the northeast. Uh, they were union shops, and they had people who ran your equipment for you, ran the board, and you just sat on the other side of the mic, and you'd just hit a mic switch. That's, you know, big-time radio. Right. And I, I remember the first time I sat down in that situation, I was scared to death. You know, I mean, I'd gone from Jackson, Mississippi, which was, at that time, it was like the hundredth-and-something market. I went to the sixth-largest city in the world uh, to be on the air yeah i and, mean that's a, just you know, a hop that's just a big old jump you know and i, I was hired to do six to ten at night uh in boston mm-hmm. and somehow somehow by the grace of god i got through that that first shift and the second one and the third one it worked out okay they uh i worked nights uh, this is something that was that was even more unbelievable i worked nights for about a month and they moved me into afternoon drive that quick. I mean, that's incredible for coming from Jackson, Mississippi, to afternoons in Boston, one of the most important shifts on any radio station anywhere, and to be chosen for that 
And, you know, a month before that, I was on the air in Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, it was really like being in a dream world, but... I mean, I just unbelievable. We're talking to Harry Bud Nelson. Harry, uh, when? How long did you stay in Boston before you made a? Because uh, you were hopping around the country a little bit, right, coast to coast. Yeah, I was there. I was in Boston a long time, and uh, I, I learned a lot in that situation because uh, you know the, the the programming people were excellent. Uh, you know, I really learned how to do great radio there. And I was a disc jockey there until 1977. Uh, then they, then something a little more unbelievable. They made me the program director. I said these people must they, these people are crazier than I thought they were. But uh, how, how long? How know, far in, Bud? Were were you uh, into the job before they gave you the the PD job, the program director? Seventy uh, three to seventy seven. I was a little over. About four and a half, five years. You were fast tracking, so you're not even thirty yet, right? Yeah, I'm not even thirty. I was uh, twenty eight years old, and the program director of a major market—it was just unheard of. Okay, how long were you in Boston? Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to back up for a second because I love some of the stories. I think at this point we can because these guys are probably not around anymore. I don't know if they're in purgatory or if they're below us or above us, but uh, some of the stories about uh, if I were going to go with it, I'd go below. But <laughs> <laughs> how low can you go? Hey, uh, I would go with below. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, well, let's, then we'll then we'll go there. The guys, uh, I'm not going to mention their names. They had the Something Brothers, and they would come and go, Harry, you got to play this record, right? <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, they were from California. All right. Uh, they were, uh, let's just say they were bunked up, bunked up a bit. Yep. They were, they were large men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a tremendous amount of power in the industry. I mean, they, they managed some of the the big stars uh, uh, in music and movies at that time. And it, it, it wasn't like, you know, they come and you got to play this record or whatever. Let's just say that they exerted a lot of influence <laughs> in the industry. Were they persuasive? So, Was there ever a time that you ever heard of any physical persuasiveness? Boy, now that's an interesting question. The answer is uh, yes. That's what I'm talking I about. I did. I did. But uh, it's a legend, and I'm really not sure to what, what extent it was. But what I will say is, and I mean, that was in a rare, rare occasion. And, 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 and a lot of times, it was a real disagreement among promoters instead of promoters, you know, being heavy-handed toward radio people. They'd be heavy-handed toward themselves because there was so much competition between them to get their records played on radio. Right. You know, I mean, they considered certain radio stations their territory. So mostly they, they, they thought it out among themselves. But, you know, I mean, in that model in those days, I mean, and there, there, it, was, it was a crazy, wonderful business at that time that paid everybody a lot of money, and, and everybody was really happy. And if you think about how many stars were created in that time, I mean, I, I see the business in certain ways back then, much better than it is now, because, uh, you know, radio is an open game. Program directors were willing to listen to new product and play it on their stations. And there were so many people, 
so many artists and bands getting discovered at that time. Some of the greatest artists of our time. Right. You know, right. the Elton Johns and the, the Billy Joels and the Elvis Presley's and the Jerry Lee Lewis and all of this stuff, uh, you know, would have never been discovered without that system in place. And it worked. We're talking to the great Harry Bud Nelson. I'm trying to get some information out. I'm not getting it all out, but I am going to get this out. We're going to keep we'll keep a little bit of it in South Mississippi. Bud, you know that this place that we grew up in, this land we call home, is the birthplace of American music. Play DJ like you always did. Tell me, would you like to hear a little Jimmy Buffett from your side of the state, or uh, let's get, let's go to the hills up in uh, Northeast Mississippi, Elvis Presley? You got the choice. That happened so swiftly. We're with the great H. Bud Nelson, legendary radio figure, personality. Play some Elvis. We'll play it here in the city, man. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside designed by their veteran team the OmniFlow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app, you can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. You can hear the show Saturday afternoons 1 until 3 right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Gary Klein and Kelly Jordan are our pros from the Bassmaster Elite Series. Mr. Whitetail Larry Wysoon takes care of all of our big game needs. Plus, Tom Dockin and Ronnie Smith will help you build a better bird dog. Not to mention the fact that we just have a whole heck of a lot of fun with a lot of great guests. I hope you'll be a regular. Hey, we'll see you in the camp house this Saturday at 1 on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm in a hurry, one hell of a hurry, cause I know you're there waiting to see me. Over on mighty water, cautious cause mighty water. I'm Steve Azar, we're with Fabulous. My One of my mentors in life, believe it or not, Harry Bud Nelson. 
So, uh, Bud, uh, Elton John or whoever, you, you were talking about what it was like. You know, the art, the record would ship, the artist would come in, hopefully sway you. But in the days of Elvis, Elton John, you just heard the record, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that was the real difference between now and then was the record came first. I mean, chances are, in those days, by the time the artist came around, Satan was already playing the song, and the artist just came around uh, to thank them. And, you know, I mean, we were just, you know, we were so excited by the music we were playing, we were even more excited by, you know, like, Elton John is coming to our station today. Wow, I can't believe it. And they'd have a big party in the, you know, green room, and uh, the, the station would buy the food. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it was a totally, it was, it was a business that was the same in some ways, but different and more exciting in a lot of other good ways. Some of the acts that you first heard, Bud, that just floored you. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, just tell me that, like, the first time you ever heard them, obviously you could break them in your, at your market, which is a big market, top 10, top 20 market in the country consistently, top 10 mostly. But uh, you could break acts regionally, and then the word would get out, right? So what, what, take me back to some memories of the great ones that became great, and you just knew it. Well, uh, Rolling Stones. I've been a lifelong fan. Uh, first time I ever, and I've seen them in my career or in my life. I've seen them five or six times in all five venues. And, uh, you know, undoubtedly, uh, they were just, I mean, yeah, and it certainly speaks to their career. They're still out there doing it. I mean, they are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. I would say the, uh, the Rolling Stones on the rock side, on the countryside, Dwight Yoakam. Uh, first time I saw him, it just blew me away. And I had an opportunity to see him again just recently. He played up here in Portland, Maine. We went to see him. So, and I, and I, there are a lot of other artists that I just love mm-hmm. and uh, and really uh, are excited to hear. But those two stand out as blowing me away the first time I saw them. A uh, couple of things. I, I went to see. I went to see Steely Dan about three or four weeks ago uh, up here in New Hampshire, and they were just fantastic. I'm seeing them again. What a big fan I am! I'm seeing them again in New York City in late October. But uh, if they see you twice in a month or two months, you may get arrested. You're gonna have to be careful. I may cancel that concert <laughs> when they see that I purchased tickets. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be as far away from that guy as possible. <laughs> no, I know. I love it. All right, so, uh, Bud, uh, FCC, every FCC changes the way they do things, right? The, 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 you couldn't, you could own a, a station in different markets, but you couldn't own a, all the stations in one market, right? Um, yeah, the, ori- the original rule was you could own, uh, I think it was 7 AMs and 7 FMs. That was the rule dating back to the 60s, and all that changed in the 1980s and consolidation came about. Did you make all the decisions musically when you were in yeah. APD? Yeah. You didn't have a consultant come in and, and, and get behind you and go, here's the data and all that? Did you have any of that? We had a national program director for RKO who, would, you, know, who you would talk to on the phone, and you would tell him what you liked. But very, you know, like Dave Chauvin, for instance. Dave Chauvin was the national music director for the RKO radio stations. And while I was in Boston, I'd get on the phone with him and 
talk about, you know, what we were going to add and stuff. And very, very seldom he would say, no, you can't do that. So, yes, the, the, the programmer had a tremendous amount of power in those days to, to add songs to their playlist. And you knew your listeners, right? And and first of oh, all, yeah. we're talking about even in the state of Mississippi, you know, I feel like there's five sections. And even though we're one glorious place, I feel like that we all have a little different twist to each each section, right? Well, think about the country. First of all, I've been to Boston, and you even go to New York, and the people are a little very different. Yeah. So even though they're close, the people in Connecticut versus the people in Maine versus the people in New Hampshire, you know, I mean, so where you are there, so in it, you know, West Coast, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is East Coast, Southeast, no matter what, you can step into a county, a different county, and all of a sudden it's a little different. So do oh, you, yeah. you were able to judge, first of all, your, your radio personalities fit with the people that were there. You could feel it. You could sense it, right? And then you had the records. Some records worked better in regions, didn't they? Then, then, and they really worked. And now that oh, time yeah. is over, oh, yeah. right? That's what's over. I, I, I find that to be a very interesting question because I was just, I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, in those days, uh, and no matter what size city you worked in, market it was, whether it was Jackson, Mississippi, or Boston, or whatever, even the large markets, you would play songs that were just popular. I mean, I can remember over the years, there were several artists that, that were just, we played the songs, they were just popular in Boston, and they didn't get played around the rest of the country. And I think that's one way that now that, that radio stations could be more in touch with their listeners is if they would start to play some of the local bands again, you know? And even some of them end up ending up getting discovered. I mean, in Boston, we were the first to play Dream On by Aerosmith. Look what happened there. Right. We played uh, More Than a Feeling by Boston. Look what happened there. And then there were a lot of other artists like uh, Duke and the Drivers, uh, Amy Man, Till Tuesday. We played that. for the first to play that. You know, so some of the artists would get get discovered and hit the big time, but at least some of them would, uh, you know, would be just a local legend. And that's fine, but, it, but, it, but it, it, it's an excellent way for a radio station to get in touch with a local audience is to, I wish they'd go back to to that model. The, the, the uh, only state... Playing, playing, yeah. playing local stuff. The only state that seems to be still doing that and you can sort of make a living and never leave the state line is Texas. We have a lot of Texas uh, artists, friends of ours, a lot I've written right. with, a lot of interviewed, and a lot of spent a lot of time with, shared a lot of stage with. And uh, it's interesting how they can make a big living in their home state and never leave. <laughs> so I mean, isn't that wonderful? I just love Texas music, first of all. I've been down to Austin a few times to listen and stuff. But, I mean, there, there's just some tremendous artists that are a part of that Texas music chart. And I love it just because Kinky Friedman's on it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're talking to H. Bud Nelson. Hey, H. Bud, I, I want people to understand what it was like for me to meet you for the first time. So I had a really bad record that I made and uh, an album with uh, a guy that didn't know how to make a record. I didn't know how to make a record. <clears throat> I felt like I was writing good songs at the time. It was in the mid-'90s, and I remember coming in and going, like, I've got to sell me for the future, and I don't even know if I was going to get a future. 
but I just had to do it. So I'm sitting there, and I can see where I'm standing. You're across the table, so like I'm the dad and you're the mom. So people understand the the table situation. There's people on both sides, and you're sitting there, and you got your pencil in your hand. You're sort of tapping it. You're kind of looking away. You're kind of doing this, and I'm playing, and I'm going like, he hates me. He absolutely hates me. So this is what's going on in my mind, and this is so hard, and I'm starting to turn. You know, it was it meant so much to me, and um, and then all of a sudden we were done, and you said, uh, "Okay, uh, fantastic, like whatever. It's time to take you. You're from Mississippi. It's time for me to take you." Was it Bob the Chef? Yeah. Okay. You 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 loved me, but you were mm-hmm. you were thinking I got to go feed this guy some Southern food. <laughs> Well, I got I got I got to feed this guy some southern food and then I got to go see him live. Was yeah. what I had in mind. I mean, I gave you that poker face that I gave so many artists that came in. And it, and it wasn't intended to make them mad. It was meant I just want to see you do this live. Right. Because because doing that it, it, you know in my office is not the way you're going to sound with your band. No fooling. You know? No fooling. So, I mean, give me a break. That was the most odd thing, and I learned to do it. And it's probably prepared me for situations uh, that I'm that stuff I do now. Uh, you know, as a music and culture ambassador in Mississippi, it's been the biggest thrill and honor. And if I go, we just left, my buddy C. Ray and I just left, who's head of all things tourism in Mississippi, just left Cologne, Germany. And it was a, it was a sterile atmosphere, room lit up, uh, conference. I got to speak and I got to play some songs, but it was impactful. And those moments with you and other program directors in a lit up room around a table, that uh you know it, it sort of got you prepared it's very interesting it's totally nothing like i ever expected but in the name of what i love to do uh it, it just it, it was something like, i'm gonna do it i don't care i'm doing it and that's the you attitude know where I think that, you know where i think that got started uh is, uh, i think that the record people started it because it prevented them from having to talk to the program director for a half an hour and try to convince the program director to play the song wow. right in front of the artist. Lazy. So if the artist artist played for twenty minutes, then the rec then the record person didn't have any pressure. He could just sit there and not have to fill in all the dead space. Son of a gun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was I think that was certainly part of it. <laughs> well, we're talking to Harry Bud Nelson, legendary radio figure, morning jock, program director, all things ride records with me for many years. You are in a Mississippi minute. We're going to be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're with great, fabulous Harry Bud Nelson. You brought me in to play a show. I'll never forget it because it was us and Leanne Rhymes because she had blue popping at the time. And she was just a little young teenager with a yeah. with an amazing adult voice and uh, amazing, amazing singer, still is. And then I remember you and I became good friends. And I remember while before I don't have to be me on Monday, waiting on Joe, the river's working, whatever it was, right? Sunshine, all that. You yeah, would go. One where I'll, I'll tell one on you. Okay. Uh, if you remember the night uh, we had brought you into town to play an event 
for the late Senator Edward M. Kennedy. And you and I met him on that night together. It's the first time I'd ever met him. Correct. Uh, it, it was for one of his charities. You know, I, they had the you know the cocktail party after and uh, afterward after your performance. And I remember that we uh, met him. Uh, and then uh, you, this is the one. You and I went out, and let's just say we met a gentleman named Harry Jose Cuervo <laughs> after that. <laughs> it's a PG-13 and, show, bud. PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what got. That's what. That's when you fell in love with me. Ah, that's where we, we bonded. Yeah. That's where we bonded. Huh. Interesting. And, uh, Interesting. and we had. We've been great friends. One of the best friends I've ever had. But you, you, you were the guy who taught when I. When I was thinking about making the transition from getting in from from radio into records, you were the one who taught me the business of the record business. I mean, you know, anybody can get in and go, oh, I want to do this. I got a great personality. I love music. But you really taught me how the business worked. And, uh, you know, I'll always be grateful for that. I still find myself when I'm meeting with programmers or stuff, saying stuff that you said to me or I heard you say, and I go, wow. Uh, you know, it's like the Lazar's picture pops up on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, oh, God. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Which <Steve> shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking H, but, but I appreciate that, and that means the world to me. But we were learning together. We're, you know, we're, we're closing in on the in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because that's how we do roll. And you understand the Mississippi Minute. You actually were one of the first people to ever hear that song, and now it's a radio show. So there you go. So And you promoted records. Uh, with that song on the record, uh, so it's uh, it's very interesting, and uh, and this conversation makes all the sense in the world that we're together talking about this. But how do you keep yourself energized, looking forward? I know how, how I do personally. Uh, we came from two sides of the business that had to come together to unite for people to hear uh, great music. You know, so how do you do it? Well, I mean, that's it. I just have to remember at the core of who I am. Uh, I love music. I love all kinds of music. Uh, you know, and maybe it dates back from being poor in Mississippi. That was something that lifted us all up. Mm -hmm. It could make you feel rich uh, for a moment. It, it could make you feel like you had something. And that's kind of the way it's made me feel all my life. It makes me feel that way now. And I think that that's why I get energized by hearing new artists and discovering new sounds and helping artists do what, what, what they want to do. Right. Uh, I've just been redoing my house because uh, I was ill for a long, long time. Right. And I kind of live here like a little old lady is what I say. I joke. So I'm, I'm redoing my house now and buying new furniture and painting the walls and all that, making it a nice place, place for people to come and watch football and visit. One of the things I'm doing, I'm putting up all these classic posters and pictures of artists that have had an impact during my lifetime. Uh, you know, I found on the internet a lot, a lot of classic pictures of, of Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis and Elton John and posters of great concerts. I just found a poster the other day of a Hank Williams concert in Corinth, Mississippi, from nineteen from nine, from nineteen forty eight, and I put that up. And I've got a Chet Atkins at the Portsmouth Music Hall, and uh, it's just. It's just uh, amazing what you can find, but it really, I'm going to have all of this music-oriented stuff just surrounding me here in my house 
for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, all of that stuff. It's just, it's all the stuff, all the music and artists that have inspired me throughout my career and my life. I'm going to surround myself with them. I think that that is the most beautiful thing. And I think we have, that's how we're going to end it. Bud, H. Bud Nelson, the legendary radio figure, jock, program director. A big part of why why some of the greatest acts ever made their way into your uh, playlists, uh, into your cars, you know. And, uh, Bud, from 8-track to CD, back to vinyl, uh, now streaming, you have mattered in the world of music, my friend. And I love you, and uh, I can't thank you enough for spending a Mississippi minute, which, like I said, you deserve more than anybody. Uh, for uh, taking the time, and I'll let you go back to playing with goats and hanging out with your mules <laughs> over there in the that's, big that's, city of Portland. That's, that's, the truth be known, that is my favorite thing. <laughs> but I, I, I love you so much, but I am so grateful for your friendship all these years. I mean, you're a member of my family, and you always will be. You know, I'm sending a lot of love down to the Magnolia State. I'll Ooh. be... Uh, in another month or so, I'll be driving down to uh, Collins, Mississippi, and driving back out to that old house wow. and thinking of my mother and remembering uh, what I was and where I came from. Something I'll never forget. I love it. Thank you, bud. I love you, brother. And uh, and we'll hang up and we'll really get to talking. <laughs> you, you've got it, bud. Thank you. All right. Later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.